Dancing Dan's Christmas by Damon Runyon. Now one time it comes on Christmas, and in fact it is the evening before Christmas, and I am in good time Charlie Bernstein's little speakeasy in West 47th Street, wishing Charlie a Merry Christmas and having a few hot Tom and Jerry's with him. This hot Tom and Jerry is an old-time drink that is once used by one and all in this country to celebrate Christmas with. And in fact, it is once so popular that many people think Christmas is invented only to furnish an excuse for hot Tom and Jerry. Although, of course, this is by no means true. But anybody will tell you that there is nothing that brings out the true holiday spirit like hot Tom and Jerry. And I hear that since Tom and Jerry goes out of style in the United States, the holiday spirit is never quite the same. Well, as Good Time Charlie and I are expressing our holiday sentiments to each other over our hot Tom and Jerry, and I am trying to think up the poem about the night before Christmas and all through the house, which I know will interest Charlie no little, all of a sudden there is a big knock at the front door, and when Charlie opens the door, who comes in carrying a large package under one arm but a guy by the name of Dancin' Dan? This Dancin' Dan is a good-looking young guy who always seems well-dressed. And he's called by the name of Dancing Dan because he's a great hand for dancing around and about with dolls and nightclubs and other spots where there is any dancing. In fact, Dan never seems to be doing anything else, although I hear rumors that when he is not dancing, he is carrying on in a most illegal manner at one thing or another. But of course, you can always hear rumors in this town about anybody. And personally, I'm rather fond of Dancing Dan as he always seems to be getting a great belt out of life. Anybody in town will tell you that Dancing Dan is a guy with no Barnaby whatever in him. And in fact, he has about as much gizzard as anybody around, although I wish to say I always question his judgment in dancing, so much with Miss Muriel O'Neill, who works in the Half Moon nightclub. And the reason I question his judgment in this respect is because everybody knows that Miss Muriel O'Neill is a doll who is very well thought of by Heine Schmitz. And Heine Schmitz is not such a guy as will take kindly to anybody dancing more than once and a half with a doll that he thinks well of. Well, anyway, as Dancing Dan comes in, he weighs up the joint in one quick peek, and then he tosses the package he is carrying into a corner where it goes plunk, as if there is something very heavy in it. And then he steps up to the bar alongside of Charlie and me and wishes to know what we're drinking. Naturally, we start boosting hot Tom and Jerry to Dancing Dan, and he says he'll take a crack at it with us. And after one crack, Dancing Dan says he'll have another crack. And Merry Christmas to us with it. And the first thing anybody knows, it's a couple hours later, and we're still having cracks at the Hot Tom and Jerry with Dancing Dan. And Dan says he never drinks anything so soothing in his life. In fact, Dancing Dan says he will recommend Tom and Jerry to everybody he knows. Only, he does not know anybody good enough for Tom and Jerry. Except maybe Miss Muriel O'Neill, and she does not drink anything with Drugstore Rye in it. Well, several times while we are drinking this, Tom and Jerry, customers come to the door of Good Time Charlie's little speakeasy and knock. But by now, Charlie's commencing to be afraid they will wish Tom and Jerry too, and he does not feel we will have enough for ourselves. So he hangs out a sign which says, Closed on account of Christmas. And the only one he will let in is a guy by the name of Uki, who is nothing but an old rum-dum, and who's going around all week dressed like Santa Claus and carrying a sign advertising Mo Lewinsky's clothing joint around in 6th Avenue. This Uki is still wearing a Santa Claus outfit when Charlie lets him in, and the reason Charlie permits such a character as Uki in his joint is because Uki does the porter work for Charlie when he is not Santa Claus for Mo Lewinsky, such as sweeping out and washing the glasses and one thing or another. Well, it's about 9.30 when Uki comes in and his puppies are aching, 
and he is all petered out generally from walking up and down here and there with his sign. For any time a guy is Santa Claus from Olowinski, he must earn his dough. In fact, Uki is so fatigued, and his puppies still hurt him so much that Dancing Dan and Good Time Charlie and I all feel very sorry for him and invite him to have a few mugs of hot Tom and Jerry with us and wish him plenty of Merry Christmas. But old Uki is not accustomed to Tom and Jerry, and after about the fifth mug, he folds up in a chair and goes right to sleep on us. He's wearing a pretty good Santa Claus makeup, what with a nice red suit trimmed with white cotton and a wig and false nose, long white whiskers and a big sack stuffed with excelsior on his back. And if I do not know Santa Claus is not apt to be such a guy as will snore loud enough to rattle the windows, I don't think Uki is Santa Claus sure enough. Well, we forget Uki and let him sleep and go on with our hot Tom and Jerry. And in the meantime, we try to think up a few songs appropriate to Christmas, and Dancing Dan finally renders My Dad's Dinner Pail in a nice baritone and very loud. Well, I do first rate with Will You Love Me in December as You Do in May. About midnight, Dancing Dan wishes to see how he looks as Santa Claus, so good time Charlie and I help Dancing Dan pull off Uki's outfit and put it on Dan. And this is easy, as Uki only has the Santa Claus outfit over his ordinary clothes, and he does not even wake up when we are undressing him of the Santa Claus uniform. Well, I wish to say I see many a Santa Claus in my time. But I never see a better-looking Santa Claus than Dancing Dan, especially after he gets the wig and white whiskers fixed just right, and we put a sofa pillow that Good Time Charlie happens to have around the joint for the cat to sleep on down his pants and give Dancing Dan a nice fat stomach, such as Santa Claus is bound to have. Well, Charlie says, it's a great pity we don't know where there are some stockings hung up somewhere, because then, he says, you can go around and stuff things in these stockings. As I always hear, this is the main idea of a Santa Claus, but, Charlie says, I do not suppose anybody in this section has any stockings hung up. Or if they have, he says, the chances are they are so full of holes they will not hold anything. Anyway, Charlie says, even if there are any stockings hung up, we do not have anything to stuff in them. Although, personally, he says, I will gladly donate a few pints of scotch. Well, I am pointing out that we have no reindeer and that a Santa Claus is bound to look like a terrible sap if he goes around without any reindeer. But Charlie's remarks seem to give Dancing Dan an idea, for all of a sudden, he speaks as follows. Why, Dancing Dan says, I know where a stocking is hung up. It is hung up at Miss Muriel O'Neill's flat over here on West 49th Street. This stocking is hung by nobody but a party by the name of Gammer O'Neill, who is Miss Muriel O'Neill's grandmama. Dancing Dan says. Gammer O'Neill is going on 90-odd, he says, and Miss Muriel O'Neill told me she cannot hold out much longer, what with one thing and another, including being a little childish in spots. Now, Dancing Dan says, I remember Miss Muriel O'Neill is telling me just the other night how Gammer O'Neill hangs up her stocking on Christmas Eve all her life, and, he says, I judge from what Miss Muriel O'Neill says, that the old doll always believes Santa Claus will come along one Christmas and fill the stockings full of beautiful gifts. But, Dance and Dance says, Miss Muriel O'Neill tells me Santa Claus never does this, although Miss Muriel O'Neill personally always takes a few gifts home and puts them into the stocking to make Gammer O'Neill feel better. But of course, Dance and Dance says, these gifts are nothing much because Miss Muriel O'Neill is very poor and proud and also good. It will not take a dime off anybody, and I can lick the guy who says she will. Now, Dancing Dan goes on, it seems that while Gamma O'Neill is very happy to get whatever she finds in her stocking on Christmas morning, 
She does not understand why Santa Claus is not more liberal. And he says, Miss Muriel O'Neill is saying to me that she only wishes she can give Gamera O'Neill one real big Christmas before the old doll puts her checks back in the rack. So, Dance and Dance states, here is a job for us. Miss Muriel O'Neill and her grandmama live all alone in this flat over on West 49th Street. And, he says, at such an hour as this, Miss Muriel O'Neill is bound to be working. And the chances are Gamera O'Neill is sound asleep. And we will just hop over there and Santa Claus will fill up her stocking with beautiful gifts. Well, I say, I do not see where we're going to get any beautiful gifts at this time of night, what with all the stores being closed, unless we dash into an all-night drugstore and buy a few bottles of perfume and a bum toilet set, as guys always do when they forget about their ever-loving wives until after store hours on Christmas Eve. But Dancing Dan says, never mind about this, but let us have a few more Tom and Jerry's first. So we have a few more Tom and Jerry's. And then Dancing Dan picks up the package he heaved into the corner and dumps most of the Excelsior out of Uki's Santa Claus sack and puts the bundle in. And Good Time Charlie turns out all the lights but one and leaves a bottle of scotch on the table in front of Uki for a Christmas gift. And away we go. Personally, I regret very much leaving the hot Tom and Jerry. But then I'm also very enthusiastic about going along to help Dance and Dan play Santa Claus, while Good Time Charlie is practically overjoyed, as it is the first time in his life Charlie is ever mixed up in so much holiday spirit. As we go up Broadway, headed for 49th Street, Charlie and I see many citizens we know, give them all a large hello, wish them Merry Christmas, and some of these citizens shake hands with Santa Claus, not knowing he is nobody but Dance and Dan, although later I understand there's some gossip among these citizens because they claim a Santa Claus with such a breath on him as our Santa Claus has is a little out of line. And once we are somewhat embarrassed when a lot of little kids going home with their parents from a late Christmas party somewhere gather about Santa Claus with shouts of childish glee and then some of them wish to climb up Santa Claus's legs. Naturally, Santa Claus gets a little peevish and calls them a few names. And one of the parents comes up and wishes to know, what is the idea of Santa Claus using such language? And Santa Claus takes a punch at the parent, all of which is no doubt astonishing to the little kids who have an idea of Santa Claus as a very kindly old guy. Well, when we arrive in front of the place where Dance and Dan says Miss Muriel O'Neill and her grandmama live, it is nothing but a tenement house, not far back off Madison Square Garden. And furthermore, it is a walk-up, and at this time there are no lights burning in the joint except a gas jet in the main hall. And by the light of this gas jet, we look at the names on the letter boxes, such as you always find in the hall of these joints, and we see that Miss Muriel O'Neill and her grandmama live on the fifth floor. This is the top floor, and I personally do not like the idea of walking up five flights of stairs. And I am willing to let Dancing Dan and Good Time Charlie go, but Dancing Dan insists we must all go. And finally, I agree with him because Charlie is commencing to argue that the right way for us to do is to get on the roof and let Santa Claus go down a chimney and is making so much noise that I'm afraid he will wake somebody up. So up the stairs we climb. Finally, we come to a door to the top floor that has a little card in the slot that says O'Neill. So we know we reach our destination. Dancing Dan first tries the knob, and right away, the door opens, and we are in a little two- or three-room flat with not much furniture in it, and what furniture there is is very poor. One single gas jet is burning near a bed in a room just off the one as the door opens into, and by this light, we see a very old doll sleeping in the bed, so we judge this is nobody but Gamma O'Neill. 
On her face is a large smile as she is dreaming of something very pleasant. On a chair at the head of the bed is hung a long black stocking, and it seems to be such a stocking as is often patched and mended. So I can see that what Miss Muriel O'Neill tells Dancing Dan about her grandmama hanging up her stocking is really true, although up to this time I have my doubts. Finally, Dancing Dan unslings the sack on his back and takes out his package and unties this package, and all of a sudden, out pops a raft of big diamond bracelets and diamond rings and diamond brooches and diamond necklaces, and I do not know what else in the way of diamonds. And Dance and Dan and I begin stuffing these diamonds into the stocking, and good time Charlie pitches in and helps us. There are enough diamonds to fill this stock into the muzzle. And it is no small stocking at that. And I judge that Gamma O'Neill has a pretty fair set of bunting sticks when she is young. In fact, there are so many diamonds that we have enough left over to make a nice little pile on the chair after we fill the stocking plumb up, leaving a nice diamond-studded vanity case sticking out the top where we figure it will hit Gamma O'Neill's eye when she wakes up. And it is not until I get out in the fresh air again that all of a sudden I remember seeing large headlines in the afternoon papers, about a 500G stick-up in the afternoon of one of the biggest diamond merchants in Maiden Lane while he is sitting in his office. And I also recall once hearing rumors that Dancing Dan is one of the best lone-hand get-em-up guys in the world. Naturally, I commence to wonder if I am in the proper company when I am with Dancing Dan, even if he has Santa Claus. So I leave him on the next corner arguing with Good Time Charlie about whether they ought to go and find some more presents somewhere and look for other stockings to stuff, and I hasten on home to bed. The next day, I find I have such a noggin that I do not care to stir around, and in fact, I do not stir around much for a couple of weeks. Then one night, I drop around to Good Time Charlie's little speakeasy and ask Charlie what is doing. Well, Charlie says many things are doing. And personally, he says, I'm greatly surprised I do not see you at Gammer O'Neill's wake. You know Gammer O'Neill leaves this wicked old world a couple days after Christmas, Good Time Charlie says. And he says, Miss Muriel O'Neill states that Doc Moggs claims it is at least a day after she's entitled to go, but she is sustained, Charlie says, by great happiness in finding her stocking filled with beautiful gifts on Christmas morning. According to Miss Muriel O'Neill, Charlie says, Gammer O'Neill dies practically convinced that there is a Santa Claus. Although, of course, he says, Miss Muriel O'Neill does not tell her the real owner of the gifts an all-right guy by the name of Shapiro, leaves the gifts with her after Miss Muriel O'Neill notifies him of finding the same. It seems, Charlie says, that Shapiro is a tender-hearted guy who's willing to help keep Gamera O'Neill with us a little longer when Doc Mogg says leaving the gifts with her will do it. So, Charlie says, everything is quite all right, as the coppers cannot figure out anything except that maybe the rascal who takes the gifts from Shapiro gets conscience-stricken and leaves them the first place he can, and Miss Muriel O'Neill receives a 10G reward for finding the gifts and returning them. And, Charlie says, I hear Dancing Dan is in San Francisco and is figuring on reforming and becoming a dance teacher so he can marry Miss Muriel O'Neill, and of course, he says... We all hope and trust she never learns any detail of Dance and Dan's career. Well, 
It is Christmas Eve, a year later, that I run into a guy by the name of Shotgun Sam who is mobbed up with Heine Schmitz in Harlem and who is a very, very obnoxious character indeed. Well, 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 Shotgun says. The last time I see you is another Christmas Eve like this, and you are coming out of Good Time Charlie's joint, and he says you certainly have your pots on. Well, Shotgun, I says, I am sorry you get such a wrong impression of me, but the truth is, I say, on the occasion you speak of, I am suffering from a dizzy feeling in my head. It's all right with me, Shotgun says. I have a tip this dancing Dan is in Good Time Charlie's the night I see you. And Maki Morgan and Gunner Jack and me are casing the joint because, he says, Heine Schmitz is all sought up at Dan over some doll. Although, of course, Shotgun says, it's all right now as Heine has another doll. Anyway, he says, we never get to see Dancing Dan. We watch the joint from 6.30 in the evening until daylight Christmas morning and nobody comes in all night but old Ookie the Santa Claus guy in his Santa Claus makeup. And Shotgun says, nobody comes out except you and Good Time Charlie and Ookie. Well, Shotgun says, it is a great break for Dancing Dan. He never goes in or comes out of good time Charlie's at that because, he says, we are waiting for him on the second floor of the building across the way with some nice little sawed-offs, and we are under orders from Heine not to miss. Well, Shotgun, I say, Merry Christmas. Well, all right, Shotgun says, Merry Christmas. <laughs> <laughs>